to John chapter 5 with me. I want to just put in a little shameless plug for Wednesday night. We began Wednesday night with our series through the book of Genesis, and it was rich, rich, really good. And I'm bragging on the Word there. The Word is just so rich in Genesis. And I want to invite all of you to come and be there on Wednesday nights. We're going to go through the book this week. We're going to learn about the six days of creation. We're going to look at the six days of creation that God, Elohim, created. So don't miss Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Love to have you. John chapter 5, we're continuing our series called The Stops of Jesus. Rather than the steps, which everybody talks about, I've been focusing in the last few weeks on the stops of Jesus, the people Jesus stopped for. We've looked at the woman with an issue. He stopped for a woman with an issue. He stopped for a man with a question, Zacchaeus. He stopped for a mother with a broken heart, the widow who had lost her son. Now today I want to look at Jesus stopping for a helpless man by a pool. A helpless man by a pool. John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of that water. Now look at this miracle in verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up that water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Think about it, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a very long time, Jesus, say this with me, Jesus already knows how long I've been in this condition. So Jesus said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath and his blessing was about to encounter a test because the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were sad, you see, for a reason. Because they did not want to see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Or about to give him a real hard time because Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. But we're not focusing on that today. We're focusing on the fact that Jesus stopped for this man. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts. We thank you that you stopped for all these people. And we thank you that in this place today, you will stop and have already stopped for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him as you're being seated, Jesus is stopping for you. Well, my message today is simple. 
I love reading about the stops of Jesus because when Jesus stopped, God stopped. Jesus was not only a man of the crowds, a man of the masses, but he was a man of the individual. He was a Messiah for the individual. And Jesus, who was God wrapped in flesh, come to earth to feel our pain, redeem us from our sin, save us from hell, and escort us into glory one day, that Jesus who had so much on his mind as God come with a mission to redeem mankind, still he constantly stopped for individuals. He stopped for unknown people. He stopped for people who didn't even call for him. Last week we talked about the widow with the broken heart. She didn't even call for Jesus. He, she did not even know that he was there watching the funeral, yet he stopped for somebody out of the mercy and compassion of his heart. And here again we have an individual who didn't even know that he was there. He didn't even ask Jesus to stop, but Jesus stopped. Now in this story, we have a man who's been paralyzed for 38 long years. Now I like to use my imagination when I'm reading the Bible. And I stop and think of what it would be like to be in an infirmity for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 summers, 38 winters, he suffered. He's probably a totally paralyzed quadriplegic in this story because we're told he was totally unable to help himself into the healing waters. He said, I have no man to put me or carry me into the pool. So he was totally paralyzed. We have to assume partly because of sin. We don't know what sin but because Jesus told him after he had healed him, go and sin no more, lest something worse come unto you. Now the pool that John speaks of was called Bethesda, meaning place of outpouring or house of grace. What a great place for a healing pool. Place of outpouring, house of grace. Great name for a church. Des Evans did well. This pool of Bethesda was fed by the spring waters of Siloam, which signified or pointed to or associated it with the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Christ, the son of David. Now pay close attention to the attributes of this pool because it matters. The pool of Bethesda was used to wash sacrificial lambs before they were slain in the temple. And this pool was itself about 100 yards from the temple. So regularly, the priests and their representatives would wash sacrificial lambs in this water, and the sacrifices that took place were hundreds and even thousands a year. Lambs were always being sacrificed, and they were washed in this pool of Bethesda. You know, when you stop and think about it, when Jesus visited those shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night, He was visiting shepherds whose income, much of their income, came from providing lambs and sheep for these sacrifices. So the angel appeared to shepherds who were involved in sacrificial lambs already, as if to say to them, we're here to tell you about the sacrificial lamb. Perhaps, that, perhaps that's why an angel went down periodically into the pool and stirred up the water. Because this pool was closely connected to the activities of the temple, 
and to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, 100 yards away from the activity that went on. God's Shekinah glory showed up in the Holy of Holies, and this pool was near it, sort of close to the spout where the glory comes out. And so it's no wonder that the angel seemed to touch these waters. Think about it, the first person, once those waters were stirred, who stepped into the water following the angel, was healed. Can you imagine if there were such a pool today, you wouldn't be able to get within 10 square miles of that pool. This pool, connected to King David, used for the washing of sacrificial lambs, in close proximity to the Shekinah glory of God manifested in the Holy of Holies, this pool was the last hope for hundreds and hundreds of sick, infirmed, and desperate people. One can only imagine the scene, but let's think about it for a minute. Think about the scene. If we could be there in person now, here's what we would see, no doubt. Multitudes, multitudes. The Bible says multitudes packed under the five porches. Many camp at the edge of the water. Don't you know they did? The ones who could get down close to it, camp right there. All eyes were peeled for the slightest ripple because the angel appeared unexpectedly unannounced. You never knew when he was going to come. So it raised the expectation level, the angst level, the, the expectancy charged the air. We don't know if today there's going to be a stirring. And can you imagine, folks, only one got in. Only one got in. And that one was healed and everybody else missed it. Human suffering mingled with desperate hope filled the air surrounding this pool. When the angel would appear, unexpectedly, unannounced, suddenly, I don't think he could be seen. I don't think they saw an angel. What we do know is that without a breeze to blow upon it or an object to stir it, suddenly the water would begin to move. An unseen hand sending ripples outward towards the edges. Now, if you had been sick 38 years, crippled 38 years, blind 38 years, infirmed for 38 years, and you'd walked a great distance and you had camped around this pool of Bethesda, and suddenly, out of nowhere, in the middle of the pool, that calm, glassy, undisturbed pool, suddenly ripples would begin a miracle would begin to happen for no outer reason. This pool would be troubled. The ripples moving out towards the edges. Can you imagine pandemonium? A mad dash toward the water would take place. Some pulling themselves by hands and arms, dragging useless legs. Some feeling their way down to its edges, hoping they'd be able to see the edges. Still others, like the man in our story, helpless, unable to get themselves down. All he could do with somewhat sad, longing eyes is watch yet another person receive the healing he'd wanted for 38 years. Can you imagine the fight, the shoving, the pushing, the struggle to be the first one to set your foot or just touch it with your finger? 
And can you imagine the joy of that one person who was instantly healed because of the visitation of God? I'm telling you, this is an amazing story. It's an amazing scene. They should do a movie about this. Now, I thought about this pool. I've always loved this story, the pool. And I had to come to some conclusions about this pool. Because this was a miracle. This was not the pool being disturbed by underwater artesian springs. As the unbelievers have said, skeptics have surmised, no, this was a miracle of God. An angel came down and stirred the water, and with the angel there was an anointing to heal. And they were healed. But there's something about this pool that bothers me, something about this pool that I just want to bring out today. First of all, I've got to just admit it. I've got to just... I've just got to admit it to myself and and share it with you that if I had been around that pool and I'd been sick and I needed healing, this pool would be a frustrating source of hope for me. Because only one got it. Don't you know there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds? It would be like going to a healing meeting with thousands of people and one person gets healed. And every time only one person gets healed. It was a frustrating source of hope. And you know what? God knew that. It was a frustrating source of hope. It satisfied, but it didn't. Not for most. It was an answer, but only a random one. Whoever got down there first. It favored the quick and the fortunate, leaving the weaker and the less fortunate untouched. Surely they sat there and said, like this man, this is not fair, I can't move. Why would God heal? Why would God deliver? Why would God touch people who have the strength and the ability to get down there? I don't have it. Why won't He heal me? For every one person healed, it left hundreds still hurting, still hoping, and waiting for the next time. I call that frustrating. That's not fair. But I do know this, God is not a divine tease. God does not dangle a carrot, give us a promise, and not answer it. So what in the world was this pool all about? Because that looks to me like a tease. It looks to me like a carrot that that is never, never given, that one never obtains. It's like being in a dream and reaching for something and never getting it. What was it about this pool? Why only one? Why not everyone? Why not all the sick? And why not all the time? Why this angel? Why only one healing? I'll tell you what I think. It was never intended by God to be an ultimate answer. It was intended by God to point to one. It was never intended by God to be an ultimate answer. It was intended by God to point to the ultimate answer who was soon to come. It was no mistake that God chose a pool that was used for the washing of sacrificed lambs, that sat in close proximity to the Holy of Holies, and that he was linked to King David to perform miracles of healing. It's no accident that God chose that pool where sacrificed lambs were daily washed, that was linked and close to the Holy of Holies, and that was linked to King David and his lineage. Jesus is all over that pool. Come on, everybody. Now listen, I didn't come today to talk religion. I didn't come to tickle your ear. 
I came to talk to you about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the healer. He's the deliverer. He is the answer. He is the one this pool, I believe, was pointing to. That pool was never intended to do anything but be a sign. The pool was not a final place of resting, but a sign of pointing to the final place of resting. God didn't want these people building their houses, pitching their tents, rolling out their sleeping bags, and staying by a sign all their life. God was saying, this isn't the answer, but guess what? Pay attention. Watch close. This is where sacrificed lambs are cleaned. This is where they are prepared. This is close to the Holy of Holies. My angel comes and stirs those waters. I want you to put two and two together and connect the dots. I'm pointing down the tunnel of time to one who is coming. His name is Jesus Christ. And he was saying to them, I want you to notice, when the waters are stirred, that's when the miracles happen. Now, I believe if that pool could have talked, if that pool could have talked, it would have said something like this. The prophets foretold that a Messiah would come from the house and family of David. He would be God's sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. And he will open the way into the Holy of Holies for all who believe in him. Healing will flow from him. And as these waters are stirred by an angel's supernatural touch, this Messiah is going to stir hearts with a supernatural touch from God and set them on fire with the Holy Ghost zeal from heaven. He's going to be a divine stirrer. Now I see something here. There's something about this pool and all these people gathered to it that just kind of speaks to me and moves me. You see, we've got a whole lot of people today who rush to see signs and wonders. They rush, they'll go, they'll go six hours in a jet. They'll spend all night at a place just to get up the next day and see a sign and a wonder. I read recently about one country where people recently were flocking to see what looked like the face of Jesus silhouetted in a church window that had somehow gotten there by vapor or steam or some some manifestation. Maybe it was God. I'm not going to say it wasn't God. God speaks in many unusual ways. But you couldn't get near this thing for the people wanting to see the silhouetted, silhouetted face of Jesus Christ on that window. Signs. We love signs. Millions have spent money to buy the book, the Bible code, to find hidden messages in it. Now I've got to say something about that. We'll spend millions of dollars to find hidden messages in the Bible, and we don't even know what the basic message says. If you haven't read what's already there, come on. Say, oh, I'm going to go to the Bible code, see if my name's in there. Let me tell you something. Worry about your name being in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what you worry about. They want to find the hidden codes. They don't even know what's there at face value. We need to read the Bible and know it inside out. Don't worry about what's hidden, but we want to see a sign. Jesus talked about the generation that wants to see a sign. But you know, signs have truth in them, but they are not the truth. They have truth in them, but they are not the truth. They have life. If you get healed, that's a sign. They have life, but they're not the life. They have healing, 
but they are not the healer. Are y'all hearing me today now? Watch this. Signs are the fingerprints of the one who performed them. If I see the fingerprint, then I know the finger was there. I know the hand was there. The arm was there. God was there. But it's only a fingerprint. Signs leave the perfume scent of the one who did them. The other day, I picked up the phone at our house and I was calling somebody and this wonderful scent hit me, a perfume scent. And it just, wow, that smells so good. And I thought, Kathy was here. (laughs) Kathy was here. That's Kathy's perfume. I didn't see Kathy. She had left. I was in the house alone, but it told me she had been there. A sign tells you God has been there. It carries the perfume scent of heaven. But it's not the final destination. It's not the final resting place. It's only a sign. Signs point to a destination you're looking for. You don't park your car at a street sign. You see the street sign because it's pointing to a destination you're wanting to get to. You do not meet friends underneath a billboard. Isn't this great? We found the sign. It's a sign. Let's just put up a table, have dinner. We have arrived. It's the sign. No, signs point you to a place. Once you have the place, you don't need the sign. Come on, everybody. Once you have the place, once God is real to you and living in your heart, I thank God for signs. I thank God for seeing people healed. I love seeing people delivered and saved. But I don't need it. I don't have to have it to convince me of God. Because one day I heard the gospel. The gospel was a sign. It pointed me to a place. And I found that when I repented, gave my heart to Jesus, came to him with all my being, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. The sign led me to a place. The place was the Holy of Holies in my own soul. The Spirit of God filled my own spirit. And I found that the sign led me to a place. Listen, folks, if you're saved, you have gotten to the place. Now we're supposed to be a sign that leads others to the place. And what troubles me about this, 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 this pool is that they're all camped at the pool. They're all camped at the pool because, ready, it was the best they had. It was the best they had. That's why people are camped looking at a sign because they have failed to understand that the sign is there to lead them to a person. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Camped around a sign. Pitched tent around a sign. Live their lives day in and day out. Eyes peeled for a sign. Now, what I love about this story is that when Jesus saw this man, he stopped. He stopped. This man was living in frustration. He was living in futility. If Jesus had not stopped, if he had not stopped, this man would never have gotten up, would never have walked. He'd have lived his days out, crippled, infirmed, would have died the way that he had lived. But I'm glad to tell you today that when Jesus saw this man living in futility, living in hopelessness, living in in frustration, it says the Son of God stopped. And I can almost hear him saying, now you're at a pool, and if you understood this pool, you would understand that it's only a sign that has been testifying of me. And the one that you have been hoping touches you in that pool 
if you make it down to that water, is here 24-7. I have arrived. I am what the pool has been pointing to. Come on, everybody. I can almost hear Jesus saying, I won't frustrate you like the pool has. You don't have to be quick and strong to come to me. You won't be beaten out by others running ahead of you. I am your way. I am your truth. I am your life. I am your place of rest. I won't disappoint your hope, and I won't turn you away till another day. A better than the pool has come on the scene, and you're looking at him. Now, you know, I know a lot of people who camp around signs. Can I just tell you something today? Jesus has a word for us, and I find this interesting. Jesus says to this man, do you want to be made well? Do you know that some people don't want to be well? I found this to be the, the oddest question until I thought about it. Here he is, 38 years. It says Jesus already knew that he'd been there for a long time, and, and, and he says to the man, I want to know something. I want you to talk to me. Do you want to be made well? I thought, well, that's an obvious question, but it's not. Because some people don't want to be well. Some drug addicts love staying drug addicts because they like the attention they get. They like the free money they get. They like being uh, put away in some free hospice. Listen, there are some people that don't want to be delivered from drugs. I know I've dealt with them. They don't want to be free. You can get so used to dysfunction, it becomes normal. Jesus was asking him, I want to know if you're tired of sitting here watching people go in and out all the time and never being whole. Do you really want to walk? Do you really want to get better? Can I tell you something, folks? If you really want to be made whole, you really want your life healed, you really want to be better, Jesus will never, ever turn you away. He is your answer. He is your truth. He is your life. He is your hope. He is real. If you really want it. Some people live in the cul-de-sac of never-ending excuses. They go around and around and around and around and around. They park their car in cul-de-sacs and they drive around. Well, I would be healed, but I would be healed if I would get it together, if only. You know what? There comes a time when God gets weary of our if-onlys. He gets weary of our excuses. Jesus was saying to this man, if you really want to get up and you really want to walk, I'm your man. But if you don't, I'll leave you here and you can rot sitting at this pool, camped by a sign, instead of really walking with me. So this man looked at him and said, I really do. I mean, I really do. I really, really do. I really want to be healed. You better believe I want to be healed. He started out with excuses. Jesus, nobody's here to put me down in that water. That's why I'm still this way. Jesus took away his excuse and said, if you really want to be healed, here I am. Do you want to be healed? And the man said, I do. Let me ask you something, folks. You may be camped around a sign, camped around a pool. It may be going to church. There at church, you see miracles. You get close being in church. You put in your time. You can say to God, I went to church. You can feel better about yourself. All kinds of people every week clock in to church. They put in their time card, church. My conscience feels better. Listen to the preacher, my conscience feels better. Even went to Sunday school, my conscience really feels better. My Lord, I made it to a Wednesday night. He is the resurrection and the life. And they walk out, and they're never changed. Because they didn't come to church to find the one the pool's talking about. 
They came to church to put in their time and feel better about their own self-lived lives. And so Jesus says, do you really want to be free of alcohol? Really want to be free of drugs? Really want to be free of relational dysfunction? Do you really want your marriage healed? Do you really want to live for Him? Do you really want to let your light shine? Are you serious about God? Because if you're serious about God, He's serious about you. And He says to you, would you be whole? Somebody just said, Mildred, I didn't come to hear this. And Mildred just said, I didn't either, Frank. We'll go back to where God's frozen chosen are next week. People hide behind religion all the time. It's a pool. It's a pool. It has the faint whispers of miracles and promises and God but they never get up and they never walk. They never walk with God. I read about Enoch this week. This will be soon in our class in Genesis. Enoch walked with God and he was not. Search party went out looking for him. Couldn't find him. He was gone. Picture of the rapture. He foreshadowed the rapture. Because in a moment, Adamos, a moment of time you can't even divide, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, there will be a whole lot of Enochs who will not be. And you know who will be? Those who played at the pool. Oh, I got close to a miracle, got close to the moving of God. Put in my time. This is wonderful. I, I, I was there where the glory was, but they don't ever rise up, take Jesus at His word, and walk with Him. This man said, I'm ready. And he rolled up his sleeping bag. He said, it's time for a change. And I want you to notice the change wasn't necessarily good in the sense. He got healed, but he was instantly persecuted for it. See, if you get with the real Jesus and walk with the real Jesus... Not everybody's going to be thrilled with your experience. That's right. Because so many of them hang around at the pool where it's safe. And they don't take him at his word. So when you come out and say, I don't go to the pool anymore. How come? Because it was only a sign. Now I'm walking with the real one. He's really walking with me and I'm walking with him and I'm in love with him. Having not seen him, yet I love him. I'm walking with him every single day. He's my Lord and Savior, my leader and my God. Hey, you separate the sheep from the goats quickly when you start talking that way. But it's going to be those who took him at his word and got up and followed him who one day will not be. For God will take them. But in the meantime, are you playing at the pool or are you walking with Jesus? He said, rise up and walk. The man had to step out in faith. He had to start moving. Suddenly, limbs that had never, that had totally atrophied. The muscles were totally atrophied. He was nothing but, but flesh lying there. Suddenly, strength surged into them, and this man stood up and stared the Savior straight in the eye and began to walk with him. 
Do you want to be healed today, sir? Do you? Are you ready to get into line with the Word? Do you, dear sister, do you want to be healed today? Or is it endless excuses that keep you at the pool, acting like you're waiting for something to happen when already He has stopped? I'll tell you what, God put this to me. And this happens, can happen several times in your experience. That you can get knocked down so hard that you sense, I could stay at the pool. I could stay at the pool. I could sit right here and say, well, you know what, I would be healed, but nobody carries me. I would be healed, but I just don't make it down there in time. I would be healed, but I just don't seem to be able to get where God touches me. I, I, I would be healed, but, you know, I'm just going to sit here and watch everybody else get healed and play my violin and sing hymns. But Jesus will always walk up to you at the pool and say, are you ready to walk away from a sign, from an excuse, and really walk with me in wholeness? Because if you're ready, I'm ready. I got mad at the devil. And I just began to just saturate my mind with the Word of God. There comes a time, folks. He said, you take up your bed. Notice Jesus didn't roll up his sleeping bag for him. He had to roll up his sleeping bag. So, I had to roll up my sleeping bag and start coming out of myself and out of my pain. And I'm going to tell you who called me out of it. Jesus did. Jesus did. He said, you can sit here the rest of your life. I guarantee you. And that's one of the things that scared me because I knew I could. But I got sick of the pool, and I got sick of waiting for some random thing. I decided it's my time. And I got up, and I picked up my bed, and I started walking. Birth the church. Call me insane or call me obedient. <laughs> You're going to have to pick up your bed, roll up your own sleeping bag, grab Jesus' hand, and walk into wholeness. Can we stand together today? Say with me, Jesus stopped for a helpless man by a pool. Now, Jesus is stopping for you. For you. He's a no-excuse Savior. If you want to be whole, you can be whole. Once your life put together, you can have it put together. How many of you can say today, Pastor Jeff, I've been at a pool, but I do know that the one the sign was pointing to has stopped for me. And I need him to touch my life. And I'm ready to rise up out of my pain, whatever it is, and walk. I want to see your hands. I'm ready to rise up and walk. Many, many people, bless you. I want you to let me pray for you. Because listen, I'm telling you, I've learned something about defining moments. When God calls you and you know that it's Him, that's your moment. And it's defining. Because if you respond, it defines your future. If you don't respond, it defines your future. 
And so I'm going to ask if you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm at a place where he is saying, rise up and walk. I'm ready to leave the pool, leave the excuses, leave anything, and follow him in wholeness. It might be your marriage, your money. It might be some moral struggle you're in. I don't know what it is, some addiction. But I do know this. This man who hadn't walked for 38 years walked. So you come right now. I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you are and just come and stand. Let me pray for you. Just come and stand. Don't be afraid or don't even think about what anybody else is going to think. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what God thinks. You come right now as we sing. once more and then we're going to pray. God is moving. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. one quick thing. The most important healing you can ever receive is when your soul is made right with God. And right now you can do that. And maybe you're out there and you say, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with the Lord, but I've gotten away. Tons of excuses, but I know that God is saying to me, it's time to take up your bed, roll up your sleeping bag, and start walking with me again. Or maybe you've never been born again. You lie down at night, your head hits the pillow, and you've got a question mark. Have I ever been saved like I've heard preachers talk about, born again? If there's a question mark, it probably needs to be settled today. And so we're going to sing one more time. If you're in either one of those two categories, you used to walk with him, you've gotten away, or you don't know that you've ever been born again and you want to settle it today, As we sing, I want you to slip out and come. Listen, don't care one whit about what anybody thinks because none of them are going to be there at the judgment. You just come and take care of it today as we sing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. sensing right now that shackles are breaking in this altar. I would not say that unless I really did feel that in my spirit. Shackles are breaking. 
So I'm just going to let it happen for a minute. Shackles are breaking. Bondages are being broken. Hearts are being broken before God. Thank you, Lord. Let the Spirit of God move on you. I want you, as we sit here, stand here, I want you to give your heart to Him, give your life to Him. Give Him your will. And say, Lord, I'm going to take up my bed today. I'm going to roll up that sleeping bag. I'm going to walk with you out of this place. I'm done with the excuses. I'm done sitting by the pool. I want the one the pool pointed to. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just believe in you.